0: Later in this episode, you'll hear my favorite part of this conversation with John Sistrunk about how powerful work like CE5 can play a meaningful role in the healing of the inner child inside of all of us. CE5 stands for Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which means human-initiated contact with extraterrestrial beings through some simple protocols that anyone can do. John describes himself as an energetic empath. We'll first connect with him when he shares how, at some point, he had an experience with some strange audible tones that he couldn't explain. This experience dovetailed with his introduction into the CE5 Initiative, leading him to learn to make contact at a C-SETI training led by Dr. Stephen Greer, the founder of the CE5 Initiative.
1: Yeah, so about 2004, 2005, I got into um, meditation, energy work, Reiki, a number of things, um, dimensional meditations through uh, various uh, mystery schools. And I had a lot of interactions with energy beings and psychic phenomena, that sort of thing, but I never really was interested in ETs for whatever reason, timing, yes. And in 2011, um, there was a point, it was October 28th, uh, early in the morning, probably around five o'clock. I heard this really beautiful music that woke me out of my sleep. And I know I was awake because I wear contacts. So when I'm awake, everything's blurry until I put the contacts in. Anytime I dream, my vision's clear. So I was definitely awake. And it sounded like the music was everywhere and yet nowhere. And like it was right in my ears and yet far away at the same time. Um, You know, uh, sometimes dimensional sound will be like that. And it was this beautiful tone, beautiful melody, and um, very... Ethereal in a way, and I'd never heard anything like it. And I was just like, what is going on? And you know, I was the only one at the house at the time, so nobody was doing that. Um, you know, there's nothing going on outside. And uh, I eventually went back to sleep and I woke up and um, you know, it had stopped. And uh, not long after that, a buddy of mine who uh, is a practicing shaman and he actually trained with the, uh, Don Alejandro in uh, Mexico who is the primary um, head of the Mayan shamanistic culture there uh, he said that it was his belief that that particular date uh, October 28 2011 was the actual beginning of this transition that was supposed to start in the 2012 period it's that was his belief and when I told him what had happened um, you know he said it sounds like you're being contacted and you know the Mayan culture has this kind of um, uh, this ideology from what I understand, I'm not an expert on it by any means, but this kind of understanding that their, their people were seeded or at least taught by Pleiadians, um, that they were part of that civilization's development. And, you know, it says his belief that I was being contacted. And a little while after that, I ran across Dr. Greer's stuff on YouTube and I remembered hearing and, and looking a little bit into the disclosure project really early, um, about the time it came out, uh, that press conference and was it 2000, 2001? Um, And I thought it was interesting, but I, yeah, and I thought it was interesting, but I didn't keep up with it after that. Well, I found it on YouTube, and it just was just kind of there. I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I clicked on it, watched it again, then started reviewing what videos he had. And he has these videos with something he calls the Orion tones. Um, and it's this particular pattern that they picked up on their electronic devices that apparently comes from Orion civilizations. And I realized the pattern was the same pattern, even though it was a different tonature, it's the same pattern as the music I was listening to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting, so I kept looking. And then I found a video with the C SETI logo. And the music they used to have for the logo, I don't know if they still do because I haven't heard it in a while, but it was it, it was the same tonature. And so that kind of was like, hey, something's going on here. And after that, I ordered Dr. Greer's book. I want to say it was uh, Forbidden Truth, Hidden Knowledge, and also his meditation CDs. And I decided to try it out. Um, the first night I did it, at first, nothing really happened. And I was... A little bit like, okay, well, whatever. And I go to bed and I wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, I go into the bathroom and at one point I close my eyes and this intense, super vivid vision just envelops me, like more real than this. And it was of a, you know, a being and a spacecraft. It looked like it was in kind of a nebula looking formation. And uh, I was like, well, okay, all right. That's, Different. I snapped out of my eyes, open the vision was gone, and I closed my eyes. Nothing happened again. I was like, Okay, wow, all right. So I went and I got a, into my room, got a drink of water. And after I took a sip, I closed my eyes again, and another really intense vision hit me. And it started off with like three stars. And I want to say, maybe a good thing we're re recording this because I want to say the middle one was pulsing. And then suddenly I was in this planescape, like this dimension where it looked like all these very brightly colored energy sheets like interacting with each other and a former um school of thought that i was involved in called these the planes of light and uh, at least i'm assuming that's what this was and you know i i was in it for a little while and then i came out of it and even for someone who has who up to that point had had so much training and experience in this stuff it was a lot for my brain process a lot And so I laid back down in my bed and I closed my eyes again. And then another intense vision hits me. So I ended up falling asleep to that. And I, I got up, kept playing with it and different things would happen. And, you know, one thing that I've experienced throughout my time is, especially when you're first beginning, they like to find ways to interact with you that you don't expect. Because that way, you know, you're not making it up. And they are super playful and creative. I mean, incredibly creative. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, after that, I was like, okay, I definitely need to do this. So I booked the training in June of 2012 in Crestone, Colorado, where they filmed uh, that training portion uh, for the documentary series. Mm -hmm. And before I I left in, I want to say it's May 31st, I went out with some friends to um, a river there in the town I was in. And actually, that river is here in Wimberley. But um, I was looking across the river as the sun was coming up because we stayed up all night. I was playing around with shifting my consciousness back and forth between normal and more dreamlike. And at one point, when I shifted, this half-domed saucer appears across the river right in front of me. The sun's glinting off of it. I mean, it was just like, whoa, in my face and then gone. And that was my, the first time I consciously remember seeing uh, an E.T. craft. And and just like Dr. Greer said, you know, there were no seams, there were no rivets. It was just like this perfectly formed one piece. And I remember just being like, wow, that is beautiful and so strange, even for the very brief moment that I saw it. And uh, so I went to the training in 2012. I was there for... The, uh, the event, which happened on the very last night, uh, where the golden craft came over us and it was intercepted by a military jet, which is in the documentary series, um, that craft lit up the entire space around us. The love was amazing that we felt. I mean, just, again, not what I expected. And when the jet started getting close to the craft, it up in space. And then after the jet passed, it flashed back at us twice. And then we were circled by military jets for about 20 to 30 minutes. It was a very intense night.
0: After this first CE-5 expedition, John went on to continue being involved, holding his own events and teaching others how to make contact.
1: And uh, yeah, after that, I you know I asked Dr. Greer if he minded me teaching this stuff when I got back to San Marcos. He said, by all means, go with it. And we started um, doing trainings out in the park in San Marcos, uh, Prospect Park there's this one little area out there that has like these benches kind of surrounding it and like a crescent moon shape. And it has this compass, it's like big marble compass in the, in the center, um, that had like, you know, this way's north, this way's west, etc., and moon phases on it. Um, and so we would set, uh, whatever device we were using for recording, uh, electromagnetic fields and we would set that in the middle and then we would, you know, be around it. We would do our contacts. And of course, um, some of us would always make contact ahead of getting out there to let them know what was going on. And, um, they interacted with us so many times. They made straight up music on that thing. Um, really beautiful music, uh, and just all kinds of stuff. And we, you know, had all kinds of light shows happen. Um, uh, there was one point where it looked almost like there were laser beams, like shooting through in little areas and it was a red beam and it would curve and make like these weird, and none of us had lasers out there. There was nobody else out there and it would like come from the ground upward. And, uh, in fact, it scared one guy. He never came back out, but uh, (laughs) I thought it was cool. Um, I'm weird like that, but yeah. So, they they would find all kinds of just random things. We'd be walking along and, and not even get to the point. We'd look up at the trees and this huge ball of white light would be falling down, like right above the trees and then disappear. And, you know, many of us saw it.
0: Let's listen to John share some of his experiences in sensing and intuiting different ways that the ETs interact and make contact with us.
1: Uh, yeah. So they don't want to scare anyone. Um, they're very careful about that. They know we live on a planet where we're having to process a lot of fear. We're having to transform a lot of consciousness at this point. And they try to meet you where you can meet that. Um, for a lot of people, they'll try to do something, uh, you know, either a little more distant or maybe um, there are multiple ways to interact with me. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm very energy sensitive. I'm a very sensitive empath. Um, so I can feel uh, their energy. You know how you can feel someone's presence, even if you didn't consciously know they were there. You can kind of feel the field itself, especially if they really move close. I've had that happen a couple of times where they really moved close, and almost immediately, like within a few minutes, a military helicopter flies over the house. But they normally like um, it, it, if you are used to hearing tones. You know, like when it's silent, you can hear like pitches. Um, some people can, can hear that and I'm not going to go into the whole debate about tinnitus and all that, because I've learned that doctors don't even really know what tinnitus is. They just know it starts to become more prevalent to someone, usually when they have damage to the ears. Um, in my opinion, you're literally picking up on the audible dimensional frequencies. And the reason the damage to the ears makes it more obvious is because now your brain is picking up a little bit less of the physical that normally distracts you. And so you're suddenly becoming more aware of what was always there. But if you take time in silence, going into that clear meditative space and just listening, you know, in time, you'll start to hear these tones. Mm. And so often I can tell when something's going on because the, the tones will change dramatically, especially when they're communicating with me. Um, uh, on rare occasion, especially if I'm feeling kind of down or something, and, and maybe I'm like, you know, the skeptical part of my mind starts questioning go do something, like move something. Um, I had one knock a cooking pan across the room one time, <laughs> not damaging anything, but just like, hey, <laughs> um, that was fun. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll feel them touch me uh, on rare occasions. If I'm meditating, they'll suddenly come and start playing with my hair. And, you know, there's nothing in there. There's no air currents, no bugs. And, you know, just little things going to be like, we're around. Um, but one thing I've noticed is they've been really working with me getting heart centered more and more, because this is the big thing that we, as a, as a, a species are having to heal right now. And this is also the aspect of us that is most in tune with absolute truth, um, beyond polarity. And whenever, like, let's say if I can tell someone's here, um, but I don't know where they are, I'll go into that space. Or that Dr. Greer teaches where you start to feel that everything is pure lateness. And then I'll kind of scan. And I notice that when I lock into where they actually are and, and can tell like what they're doing, who they are, my heart will light up. The more accurate I am, the more it fully lights up. But if I start projecting onto it, um, that doesn't happen. And I, I've gotten to where I can, you know, feel the brain starting to project. So they've been working on me getting back there more and more. Um, also, when they're communicating a message, uh, the more accurately I am actually sensing the frequency of what it is they're communicating and understanding, the heart lights up. Um, but again, if I'm like, you know, projecting onto it, that doesn't tend to happen, and I can feel almost like the activity in the brain uh, of like the projection happening. So they've been working with me on that. Um, because from that space is where we feel the truth was right for us, what is right in circumstance. It's that perfect yin, yang harmonizing place where pure isness is, <laughs> I guess. And it's the place where oneness occurs. Um, so that's been, um, a fairly common thing. Um, on occasion, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There'll still be things that, you know, sometimes images will come through or just understandings. On occasion, my brain might produce words to go with it, but I'll know when it's accurate based on this. Um, I also do uh, practice projecting to various places, Um, you know. And, yeah, so those are some of the ways that we interact.
0: Now, John will discuss the playful, innocent nature that often comes through in CE5. Healing the inner child is very important, and this is something that the ETs are totally aware of for us.
1: And so, you know, uh, I do agree with Dr. Greer in the sense that when when people approach this subject, they need to have a level of maturity about it, sure. But what I've also found is these beings like to play. They, in a sense, they have like a, a the ones I've interacted with, though, a lot of them have a very childlike nature in the sense of they're all about innocence, not meaning you've done everything right, done nothing wrong, not meaning you don't have your issues or whatever, but just innocence. You know, this is who I am. You are who you are. We respect that. We communicate openly. We're open, honest about who we are. And we're seeing what we can create together that everybody can enjoy. You know, innocence. And so they. They. um They're very much like that. They like to be playful. They like to be creative. Um, They can be, I don't want to say serious in the way we normally think about it. They can be direct. They can be very focused. You know, something needs to get done, they can get it done. But they have a very magical nature about it. And, you know, a lot of what they've been relating with me about, this whole thing that's catching on now in the collective about healing the inner child, it's very important that's where our authenticity and our innocence is mm. and that's where we you know when we bridge the mature spiritual oneness aspect with that innocence when those two come together we're at the perfect place to co-create in a reality like we're talking about mm. and with beings like that. so yeah beautiful
0: yeah. um do you have I know you had some some other things that you said earlier, um, some great advice. Um, so, yeah, do you have um, some more advice for anybody who's just looking into this, just finding out about it, maybe has doubts about whether this is something that they could or should be involved in um, and uh, getting into? Um, do you have any advice for someone who's new to exploring this all? Uh, sure. Sure
1: there are a number of things and they, they've, I've learned a lot um, about what it is that tends to inhibit humans from a terrestrial humans, I should say, from having these kinds of experiences. Uh, one of them is self-doubt. It's a big one. It could be, you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you got too many problems or you've done too many bad things or whatever. Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm no angel. Um, but I have a heart for content. Continuing to improve. I have a heart for finding out how to love and be loved. I have a heart for knowing what it's like to be in that space of perfect, divine, playful harmony. And we're all on a journey to get there. So you don't have to be anyone special. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be some, uh, you know, dimensional or psychic's bond. All you have to do is have a heart for it, a genuineness, authenticity about it. Um, and they do prefer if you're, again, self-honest, <laughs> they have helped me with things just because I've asked to be helped with it, that some people would think it would be petty to ask for. But when I come to them, you know, I, they already know I have a heart for the healing of the world. And I'm honest. I'm honest about what I would like. I am honest about why. I'm very self-aware about why and what. And I put it out there, hey, if you'd like to help me, if it's in your excitement to do this, if you feel naturally inspired to do this, I'd appreciate the assistance. And very often, something happens. Um, but it's because I'm innocent about it. I'm upfront. And I'm, I'm honest with myself about the what and the why. And I'm also open to being shown something new that if it's time to level up past that, I can. Or if you want to call it that. So. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they'll go around healing everything for everybody because there's also part of our soul's journey where we're learning to embrace our own power and they don't want to interfere with that. So there's a balance there, right? But they like to be a part of things. Um, and we're another thing and this kind of plays into it. A lot of people think that these beings are looking at us like we're a bunch of savage, ignorant, barbarians. That's not how they see us. They see us as amazing divine, beautiful, creative souls that are just going through a very profound process of shifting some of the most extreme darkness that our known universe has ever seen. And I have my own theory as what a possible purpose is for humanity. And it basically is the idea that we are becoming some of the ultimate alchemists of consciousness Like we're becoming the kind of beings that could dive into the deepest, darkest realms and transform them into the light. I kind of feel like that's part of our purpose. Um, And we're becoming the kind of beings that can truly walk that divine balance of self-sovereignty and oneness at the same time, which is a delicate balance. Um, You know, I kind of see us as potentially the, the lovers and the harmonizers of the multiverse. Um, we may become some of the best diplomats there ever were because of the things we're experiencing here. And um, so they don't look at us as some kind of like, oh my God, we got to deal with these guys. No, they're excited. Like as we come through this, they're excited, and they know that we're going to bring something to the table. Especially as we take this newer infusion of consciousness and use it to bring resolve and healing to everything we've gone through, and we integrate it all, we're going to bring something very unique to the table that they are stoked about. So they're not lording over us. They may be making sure that, you know, while we're in the phase we've been in, we don't cause unnecessary harm, especially to the the planet or to others, like there's only so much to allow there. Um, But they see us moving past that. In my perception, we're in, you know, we're kind of like at that, chaos point right before. And like Dr. Greer says, you know, we're at that chaos point before everything suddenly becomes coherent. Um, and, and yeah, they have a lot to remind us of. I, I'm, I'm not even sure I should say teach because on some level, our consciousness is already connected with everything they know, but they could play a part in reminding us of certain things and we'll, you know, have this beautiful co-creative thing going on. So you have something valuable to bring to them just as they have something valuable to bring to you. And that's something I really hope people will really contemplate. Um, We have, we are amazing, far more than we've ever let ourselves believe. And I'm still learning how true that is. I think most of us are. So you can, you know, I know it's challenging at times, but see if, you know, for anybody who's having self doubts, try to let that go. Like we came here to be challenged and to grow through it is what it is. You don't have to be perfect. Um, as far as other things, um, if Dr. Greer already has amazing meditations for getting into that pure awakeness and that pure oneness state. Uh, but to be fair, I had a lot of meditation training before I ever did his stuff. Uh, if there was one thing I would recommend people do to help them get into that state more easily. Um, I'm a fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has a meditation called the generous present moment, which takes you into that pure field of infin- infinite oneness. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, the results people get just from that alone are phenomenal. And I, I like to encourage people if they're not used to this kind of thing to use that method as a way to start the process and then Bridge into Dr. Greer's meditation Mm. Um, and practice sensing energy as best you can Um, and practice sensing energy so that you can get better at communicating on these levels. Because until space is de-weaponized, they have to be very, very careful about physically presenting themselves to us. Basically, the likely benefit has to outweigh the likely risk. It has to be safe for everyone and the benefit needs to be worth it. So let's say if you have a group of people and maybe there's one or two in there that can make a huge impact, but in order to do it, they need to see something that they absolutely cannot deny or experience something like that. If it can be synchronized so that's safe, they will do that in a safe way. But like for someone like me, I've already had so many experiences with them that they don't have to do that. You know, once in a while they'll do something that kind of surprises me, but it's not as extreme as like putting themselves at risk by, you know, by physically appearing over my house. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So be patient, be open and be open for the unexpected. There are a lot of people out there who may be concerned because, you know, we live on a third density reality. That's as far as I'm concerned, shifting into fourth density We've been stuck in a, in a very polarized experience. So there, it's kind of natural for us to wonder if something different from us is out to hurt us. And there has been a lot of counterintelligence. Dr. Greer talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been experiences that people have either misinterpreted as hostile ATs. Um, mm-hmm. th- it's kind of a complicated web. But I can say that out of all the beings I've experienced that I can remember, Uh, All the beings that are visiting this place um, of all different types, they may have different personalities, but they have all been loving, present, open, transparent. Um, I have never yet run across a single one that has given me a reason to feel uncomfortable. And I'm pretty good about picking up on that, at least from people. So that's, that's all I can offer. But I hope that encourages people to consider the possibility that when you get that developed, the way you perceive reality makes it pretty much impossible to be malevolent when you really understand what that's like.
0: Thanks for being here. I'm Andre Cardoso, the host of the show, and I've had these most recent episodes in waiting for some time now, so I'm so happy to finally get them out to you. I wanted to remind you that in June, 2023, you should check out Dr. Stephen Greer's Historic Disclosure Conference, and new National Press Club event happening in Washington, D.C., and streaming online. That weekend will include the premiere of the new documentary film, The Lost Century, all about breakthrough zero-point energy technologies, their suppression, and their potential. That's happening from the 10th through the 12th of June, and more information is available at the links in the show notes. And for even more episodes and resources to help you along your own CE5 journey, check out those links in the show notes and head to ce5podcast.com. Thank you again, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace and love.